payloads verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Well, joining us this fine evening, who cares about Super Bowl, is lead designer Al, Captain Gecko Rivera from Cryptic Studios. Thank you for joining us this evening, Al. It's good to be back. All right, so three years, man, you know, three great years. Talk to us a little bit about the anniversary. I mean, that, how did, all right, so you guys met Denise Crosby at a convention, right? Is that the story? Tell us the story. Tell us how everything kind of rolled into this awesome featured episode. I'd love to tell the story. It's great. So what happened was is that we were thinking about what we wanted to do for the anniversary event. And we've known for a long time that we wanted to release the ambassador. We just didn't know when or where we would do it. Now, we, we always have a list of ships and then it just keeps getting jostled to move around. And like we were going to release the, the Endorian ship in January and uh, no, we need to move things around. So, hey, what we should do, you know, let's do the ambassador. Dan really wanted to do the ambassador for the anniversary event. And so I'm like, okay. And then he said, let's do the anniversary mission. Let's do a featured mission about the ambassador. And so the first thing that popped in my head is, let's get Denise Crosby. This is like, we've got to do a Denise Crosby. We've got to do a Yesterday Enterprise thing. Because I actually wanted to do the Excelsior. No one knows what happened to the Enterprise B, right, in the IP. Right. You see it in Star Trek Generations, but we never know what happens. So it has some really, you know, incompetent looking captain on this. <laughs> I never know what happens to the beat, right? I think there's some there's some it lore get, about it. It gets towed for being parked in the wrong place and crushed. <laughs> so I wanted to do when we did the Excelsior, let's do a mission about where you go back in time and find out what happened to the Excelsior and you bring it back and then that's how you unlock the Excelsior. At the time we couldn't do content and so we just released it to the C store. So I said, Well let's do that now and that contacted CBS. I sent him an email and says, What do you think you can get us in touch with Denise Crosby? Is she be interested in doing voiceover work for us? Well, he said, I'll, I'll let her know. I'll contact her. And, and he said, uh, yeah, she responded, and she's very interested. And I said, great, let's try to see if we can make it work out. You and Kestro had already fleshed out the story? No, no, okay, not okay. Over the next few weeks, we started talking about the story. And I originally wanted the story to be where you go back in time to find out what happened at that battle the Klingons, the ambassadors, and the four Romulan ships and actually go there and play a part of that or find out what happens afterward when Tasha gets captured. And people didn't really like that internally. So I said, well, we don't want to do that. Let's take it the other way. Instead, they go into the future. The ship gets pulled into the future. And let's do a whole yesterday's Enterprise kind of thing. Now, what I was rifting on was I wanted the Tholians to be involved because the Tholians are our Romulan bad guys right now. They're all over the Romulan Taldeo sector and on New Romulus. And in my mind, they're always involved in Mirror Universe stuff and time travel. And if you've watched Mirror Darkly and you've watched Defiant from TOS, you know, oh, you know, they go back. It's their game. The, the, yeah, their game. They take the Defiant out of time, out of and across Mirror Universes. I've even talked about that. We've even kind of speculated that maybe the Tholians... I don't remember if this is from a soft cannon or not. Maybe the Tholians actually live in both mirror universes at the same time. It's, it's the same universe to them, that they kind of exist in both 
at the same time. Maybe that's why they're so xenophobic because they don't understand why humanoids are so bipolar, right? That they're so <laughs> they're just completely unpredictable because to them it's the same universe. So I don't know. That's just kind of one thing. So I said I wanted the Tholians to be involved. Now, I had originally envisioned that the Tholians saw that as an opportunity and you could kind of read the subtext if you want in the mission that they ripped the Enterprise C at a time as a way to manipulate the timeline. Later that got changed into the the, the Klingons attacking, destabilized the temporal anomaly which made them go forward in time and set it back. That's all that I really wanted to see out of it. And my point is, I want to, I want you to see Tasha Yar. I want you to either be some time, and I want to have that moment where all of a sudden everything changes, and you don't really know what's going on. And Christine and and Scott, our head content guy, wrote a story around that. And that that's about as far as I ever get involved in story content. It's like I want to see something like this, and then they put stuff together, and then we brainstorm back and forth. And so that kind of just started going back and forth and evolving. And Christine, you know, fleshed out an amazing story that's an amazing dialogue, and we just we couldn't be happier with it. But while that, I mean, that that took a while to write. While that was happening, two weeks after CBS told us that these Crosby was interested. It was a Star Trek convention up here in San Francisco. And then I heard that Denise Crosby would be there. And I usually go to this Star Trek convention. And so that's because it's really close to my house. So I went there and, oh, my God, I just uh, that convention is so small. It's it's but it's sad. But at the same time, it's awesome because the first thing you do, you walk into the room and there's this little ballroom kind of thing like you'd see in a hotel. That's no more than maybe 50 feet by 30 feet. And you walk in there. So it's like you have to walk past it to even get to tickets. And all the actors are just sitting there behind a table. They're like ten feet away from you. And it was and it was John Delancey and Maris Sirtis, Worf and Data and Jordy and and then there was a spot for Denise Crosby, but she wasn't in the seat. So she actually shows. Um, but it was just it was crazy just to see them. They're like me and my wife just sit there and just staring at them like. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> There, and, gotta, and, the, and the people behind you are saying, move so we can stare. Yeah, so we're just – can we take pictures? Okay. So we took like 400 pictures because they're all just in there. And, and people – you get, you, you want to just go up and just like, hi, and talk to them. But, you know, they basically are selling their signatures for, you know, $20, $40, $50 or whatever. And so you don't want to just go up there and just waste your time. People are paying money to go and, and get a signature and talk with them for a few minutes. Wait, wait. Was and, this your first convention ever? No. No, this wasn't my first convention. Okay. But – this is my first time that it was in such a small room and they were – when I walked in, they were all there. They were just all just sitting right there in this tiny little room. And you, the silly thing is you don't even have to they, – they're actually in front for the tickets. I don't know if that's normal. You don't even have to pay the tickets. They were all just there. But I've never bothered to go to the signings before when I've gone to conventions. But it was just so in my face because the hotel was so small that it was almost surreal the sign was like this someone took like this cardboard this poster board sign that they got from CVS pharmacy it was all dinged up looked like they <laughs> on this sign someone took it with a marker and just wrote star trek stars and wrote their names with a the sharpie it's like these guys need more honor than this this is just wrong it was just so small but that's also what kind of led to the intimacy like go to vegas it's so much bigger or so much grander this was so much uh, weird so anyway, I go there with no intentions to, to talk to anybody or talk to Denise Crosby, but I thought maybe if I had an opportunity to talk with her offline that I would just introduce myself and engage her feelings on things because we've reached to the stars before. They don't always respond or they're kind of indifferent. So she has a talk. She has a presentation and she gets up on stage 
and I wish to God I had this on video. The first thing she says is like, hi, guys. This is like, I just got contacted from CBS and Star Trek Online wants me to be in their game. Tasha Lara is coming back. I'm, and she was like, and the crowd went nuts. And she was like, I'm so excited. This is so great. I'm going to be in Star Trek Online. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's totally stoked. She's completely stoked about this. You guys didn't expect that kind of reaction. Like, I got to go and talk to her, right? I got to go and talk to her. So I go up to the mic. And if you guys have, you guys have assumed have seen the video. I, no, no, I don't think I've seen the video. You haven't seen there's the video. A, there's a video of this. I tweeted it. Yeah, I, 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 I oh. on my I YouTube was, channel, and I videoed the conversation with her. Yeah, YouTube.com forward slash what? Lizard milk. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's the only public video on there, and so I go up there and I introduce myself, and. I was so nervous. It was just so silly because I was just, I was such a fanboy. I'll just turn into a total fanboy. So I'm trying to keep my cool, but I'm really shaking inside. Right. And so I said, Hey, Miss Crosby, thank you for coming to San Francisco. My name is Al Rivera. I'm from Cryptic Studios. I was the one who reached out to you. And the, the camera is perfect because the camera's got me, but there's the big screen behind me. And so you can see her face up close. And she just drops her jaw. It's like, Oh, that's you. I want to talk to you. And she was like, I'm like, this crazy wants to talk to me. <laughs> right. And she lights up. And so, you know, I, I said, I'm here with some cryptic studios folks and here my lead writer. And I was there with my wife and, and Christine was there with her husband who also works for cryptic studios. And I asked her, how would she like to see her character, Sila and Tasha evolve or portrayed in the game? I, I want to see how I want to gauge her level of excitement. And she just lit up like a fanboy. It was it was so exciting to see her enthusiasm about this. She doesn't really know, know anything about the game at the time. But she had this whole plan of this whole story that she wanted to see happen. And I won't spoil it too much. Everyone should go watch the video. It's a great video. I'm really proud of it. It was just so much fun. It was such a joy. And she just was just so lit up and so excited. And that just totally charged us is like yeah she wants to do this then we even more want to do it with her because you know a lot of the actors it's just a gig to them right and for her she was just you know she wants this is her character that she really was you know proud of and she wanted to see developed more so it took a long time the negotiations for these sort of things are really tricky but we're able to get them while we're developing the story so we had her come out and we spent the day with her you know, I mean, it was such a pleasure. You know, she came in and first we did some introductions and we showed her around and then we ate lunch with her. I'm going to, going to lunch with Denise Crosby, right? Just sitting eating falafels with Denise Crosby. And, <laughs> and she's telling us her stories about the show. One story that I thought was really fun. We have a pet friendly office and one of the dogs walked into the kitchen and she lit up about the dog and she's just a dog person. She has whatever two or three dogs and she has a cat and i and so i said tell me the cat's name's not church and if you don't remember from pet cemetery the zombie cat on pet cemetery which denise crosby was the mother on pet cemetery the zombie cat's name was church and she says no it's not but funny story church was actually six cats and the first scene is them moving into the house and with a little baby kitten and that was the first church and she actually they gave her that cat so she actually had church for lifespan of church so she actually owned that cat so that was like a nice little fun little story that she told me about. And, and then we spent the day. Then she went and, and read the lines and did the voiceover. And that was a couple hours. And then we talked about some future opportunities. And we talked about how, again, what, how would she like to develop characters? So we want to write the story if we continue to work with her and to what is excites her. Because we want her to come back. We want her to be excited about it. And we want her to have a, 
uh, have some say in what she would like to see happen because it's just going to come through in the readings and it's just going to make her also want to work with us more. So we spent like the half a day just jibber jabbing about what she would like to see happen with her characters. And that was just, and she loved it because she says, you know, that's not something she got to do on the set every week, a different writer, and they didn't have any say. And she, now she had to have, have a say. And she loved about that. She told us about her work on Trekkies. And I'm thinking deep and I'm thinking in the back of my head, please let me be on Trekkies. Please let me be on Trekkies. Say, <laughs> hey, look what Trekkies can do for a living. So I'm trying to like lie about sliding that and sliding that in. And at the end, I'm like, I have a picture with you, you know, it's like, I want to be, I don't want to be rude and just like, you know, let's get pictures, but she was so cool about it. And she was so, she was so friendly and personable and just like, and now I'm like, I've, I've written a few emails to her cause I sent her, let her know that the mission was live and people were great about it. And I told her about her interview was live and she was so excited. So oh, I'm, I'm re-embraced my trekkiness. I've changed my, my signature on her email and to, to be more trekky and she and she just loved all the fan responses that everyone everyone really loved her on the they started their own forum thread i let her know about that so it was just been a great experience and i'm just like completely just writing that uh that, that just, just was on cloud nine to do that and so really looking forward hoping to get more and more actors and I, now i'm like pokemon i gotta get them all i gotta you started get, the collection now i gotta get will wheaton and i gotta get tim russ and i gotta get <laughs> right and i gotta <laughs> work our way up to Riker and Picard. That would be great to work. Those guys don't roll out of bed for less than 50K or something sometimes. I know that Shatner is like 50K or something to get him. It's like not going to, probably not going to happen. But some of those guys are a little more reasonable. But that was great. It was such a joy. And I encourage everyone to take a look at that video. It was really fun. We um, will was... definitely have links in the show notes. Great. So is it safe to say that it's not the last we'll hear of Tasha, of, of Denise Crosby's voice? How about that? It is safe to say that that is a good possibility that we will see more of Denise Crosby. Okay, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> now, how's the atmosphere right now at Cryptic? If anybody had anything bad to say about Temporal Anomaly, then they just, whatever. Because the reaction has been so positive. How's everybody doing over there? Well, not only were we excited about the mission we knew it was fun we certainly didn't expect this much positive output and as players may have noticed for the first time in a very long time hit our server limit and we hit people were on queues to get in and that doesn't happen that often so it was a huge response to get in and that was that's just i mean it's it's good problems to have right it allowed us to you know to fix some problems but just to see that much enthusiasm people wanting to come in and, and see that and experience that and people's response to that it's just been great and what it is really is just a it's a good example of what cryptic and the sto team can do given the right resources you know we star trek has you know online had a very very colored past if most people don't know the story it's Perpetual was the original licensor for Star Trek. We had nothing to do with it. They had the license and they were working that a year or two. I'm not sure how long. And they weren't able to get the game done for, and the, the company had some troubles and the company folded. So we had the opportunity to get that license and we got it. But CBS had already invested and they had deals and they had whatever it is that, that executives do. And they, you know, they weren't going to, they, they said, yeah, you can have the license if you can actually do this because they felt burnt, right? They had invested a lot of time and money and they didn't have anything to show for it. So we already had a working engine. So we went ahead and uh, it was me and about five or six other people built a prototype in a month and we had working space combat in a month. So they loved it and we got the license, but 
we kept the ship date that they had. So we didn't have three years to make the game. We had we had a skeleton crew and a year to make the game. But it was an opportunity we weren't going to pass up. We loved Star Trek. I was offered the opportunity to be lead, and I dropped Champions in the heartbeat to go work on Star Trek Online because I was such a huge Trekkie. I said, yes, I'll take it. Because I was lead systems on Champions at the time. So I said, no, I'd love to do Star Trek. But we had very limited time and resources to do that because we had a working engine and we had 12 months. And we eventually got a couple-month extension, I think two or three months. But, uh, you know, I think we built two games. We built the space MMO and a ground MMO in one year. And really, really proud of it. And then we were bought by Atari and they were not an MMO company and they didn't have the resources we needed and we couldn't hire. And so we could only deliver a small game. And we were very proud of that game. And space combat was revolutionary. And the fundamentals of that really haven't changed at all. It's the same space combat that we launched with and it's great. We revamped ground combat later. Now with Perfect World, they come to us with a huge knowledge base of how to re-envision your game as a free-to-play game, and they gave us a lot of really, really keen wisdom on how to how to monetize this game, yet still let people play this game for free. I mean, really play all the content for free. And it worked. And it worked really well. It worked so well, as I mentioned before, you know, we're like their number one game, and they're like, great, here's some more money, make it better. And make more, and, and so they're reinvesting in it. And that's bottom line. That's what's happened. I know people sometimes get sour on lockboxes, but those lockboxes have allowed us to make those our 25-man team into a 48-man team and allows us to make content at the quality of Temple Ambassador. All our content coming forward is going to be at that quality. We now have the resources, the time, the people, the talent, and the money to do that. So it's just getting put right back into the game. And so the energy at the company on Star Trek and the STO team is just so palpable. It's so it's great. And you can ask me again later, but I, I can't say anything about our coming update. It's all pretty under wraps. I mean, a teaser went out and you can try to get something out of me, but you're not going to get much. But all I can tell you is that you're going to see a lot of story-driven content, and people are going to love it. We've got the time, the resources, and talent to make really good story-driven content, which I think is what Star Trek really, really want, the users really, really want right now. So we're going to deliver that. So it's just going to just keep getting better. It's going to be more of that. You're going to see more of that. Can you tell us what it's not? For instance, is the new Romulan a new Romulan faction? Is it not? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It is not territory control. Okay, okay. <laughs> good try. It is whatever you saw and whatever you guys take away from that. I really can't. New comments. I can't say anything. What it is, is it's not going to be. It's not going to suck. Well, here. Okay. So I have this question, though. So Dan Stahl has been saying that it's, this is so big that it's, he's not even calling it a season anymore. So what's happening or coming is not a season eight. It is actually it's something else. But are we stopping with the season naming from now on? Or is it is it just that this is going to be so huge? I don't think we're going to stop with the season naming. I think that we just we need a different name for this update than than just a season because I think as a season people think of it as an update or even as a patch or you know it's free content and it's just maybe has some systems and some missions associated with it. And I can, think the can we review can we review what these prior seasons have been recently? <laughs> I mean, season four a complete ground combat revamp. Yeah. yeah. Season five conversion from free to free to play and the DOF system. Season six, fleet advancement and the new car prime 
you know, Tholian Adventure Zone. Season 7, we got a new fleet holding the embassies and the reputation system and another Adventure Zone. Yeah. So those are all those are all really decent additions to the game. Big. I mean, relatively well, big. Yeah, but more than that. So wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, I last week uh, last show I bet Elijah the non-existent 60 gold press platinum bill with his face on it. I bet him that that uh, you know I was the optimist. I said this is going to be really large. I'll have you know, so, Alex is working on a signature with my face on it, and it's a sixty dollar bill. So, <laughs> if you look at season six or season seven, uh, I'll just use the last two seasons as example. You know, season five, the, the conversion of free to play was just uh, an enormous amount of engineering effort, just making it technically possible. But if you take the work that was put into the magnitude of the work that was put into season six and season seven. And now those were all done in like three months time span. So we're not releasing this next update for another for six months. It's been six months of investment and we've doubled the size of the team. So that would be four times as big as season six or season seven. I don't know. I don't want to oversell it. Now I've overselled it. Now I want to. <laughs> the one thing I would say is just you're going to get a, a lot of story driven content. Not, I mean, so we've had content in the past and end game content, raid type content, right? repeatable content adventure zones not a lot of story driven content right not a lot of featured episode type content but that's one thing i think that you can expect to see is we'll have more story driven content but it's not just story driven content we will be revealing more stuff shortly it'll start trickling out and marketing's got their thing they've got their deals they have a good cadence on how they want to get certain and you know what you don't want to you don't want to talk about things too soon we just had the anniversary event let everyone enjoy the anniversary event let people get excited about that and talk about things too soon it becomes vaporware then the date gets pushed back and people speculate and so you don't want to talk about things too soon until they're in the bag but we have a solid plan all right. Well, and again, we, earlier we mentioned we want to make sure that Haverhan knows you've listened to his podcast, more podcast, cross-podcast cooperation here. Uh, he at Star Trek Online forums and asked, where have you felt Star Trek Online needs the most improvement in 2013, and what are your plans for doing that? I'll hit the easy ones first. PvP, Foundry, Crafting. Then there's a number of other little systems that are just my pet things. But I think the most important thing is actually tutorial and the starting game. And I'll tell you why. And that may not mean much to existing players. But there's a lot of time spent in metrics watching people come into the game and people leaving the game. And it's a little harder to measure in a free-to-play game because it's not people buying subscriptions and canceling their subscriptions. So you have to measure things a little differently how often they come back after seven days after 30 days or whatever but you can still measure it people coming into the end of the game and before we got into season six we had x number of people coming in and x plus people heading out we noticed that we were losing more people than we were gaining and it wasn't a lot but it was measurable if you look at star trek's attrition rate it's pretty similar to most mmos in that you see a lot of people leave in the beginning of the game and these are people who either don't have the system specs, can't figure out how to log in, or maybe just can't figure out the tutorial or just hate the game. It just, it's not for them. So you see this always this big spike in the beginning, and then depending on the game it on, sometimes it curves off. And in most games it kind of curves off and then it gets flat. And then at the end game, then you see a big spike again where people, they get to 50 and they leave. Star Trek was almost like Devil Horns. It was really high at level 1 and 2 and then really high at level 51 and flat in the middle. 
So basically, once you got past level two, you stuck with the game to the end game. But then people left again. Well, the first thing we decided to do, we have to plug the hole at the end. So we have to make sure that there's an end game in Star Trek Online. And that's what we did. So that was the very first thing we did is like we introduced the fleet system and then the reputation system. And now, as we talked earlier, there's all kinds of stuff to do at Endgame. So it's a robust Endgame. That's why we took a departure from featured episodes. And people love the featured episodes. And we love them, too. We love making them. They love the story. But they are months of development time that people can consume in 20 minutes, right? And we couldn't keep up. So we needed a more systematic approach of Endgame. And so we developed those systems. So... Immediately on doing that, the number of people coming into the game and people sticking in the game far exceeds the number of people that are leaving the game. And the game is growing wonderfully. And it's great. And so and the revenue reflects it. The average number of people playing at even time reflects it. So mission accomplished. Exactly what we need to do. So the answer has question. Now we have to plug the other side. We have to make sure that those people coming in, let's find out why they're not getting past the tutorial. Some of those people we can never save. They just don't have the right system specs or they just the game is just not for them. And that's fine. It's not for everybody. But unlike a retail game, and this is something why I always want to stress to people why free-to-play is good for people, is that the onus is on us. If someone buys an MMO retail box or any game for $50, $60, they've committed $50, $60. They play the game. They don't like it. They're probably going to keep playing for a while because they're going to give it a chance because they invested money in it. If they play a game that's free to play, they're not grabbed in the first five, ten minutes. They're just going to walk away because they're not invested in it in any way. So the onus is on us to make sure that it's impressive, it's solid. And so now what we want to do is we want to make that beginning experience something special and find a way. And that might mean, hey, maybe people are just getting stuck on this clicky. We'll do lots of metrics on that. But maybe it means we need to redo that tutorial entirely. So that is something that needs to be addressed to make sure that if we can get people past level two, we know we can get them to end game. And if we can get them to end game, we know we can get them playing for a very long time. So that's the thing I think that needs the most attention. And I don't think most, probably most veteran players don't, it may not see much value for them because I can play the tutorial with my eyes closed. And I bet they could too. But I had a new friend come over who said he wanted to check out Star Trek, got lost in the first space combat and flew into the edge of space and got cornered and couldn't turn his ship around, couldn't figure out how to fly space. We need to fix that. We need to make it so that you don't get lost in the tutorial of space combat. And whatever it is we can do to make, say, Earth space dock easier in the tutorial for new players. That kind of stuff. Not sexy stuff. Not stuff that existing players want. But it's the thing I think that needs the most improvement in the game to make Star Trek Online even more successful. I like that idea. I like that. That's, that's actually a, a very reasonable approach. I'm stunned by it. It's just so true. That's 100% yeah. true. And I was going to start thinking, well, why don't, you know, why don't you add an introduction where the player gets to meet the new captain of the Enterprise? But if your friend is flying into the edge of space, then, yeah, I guess there must be something fundamentally not wrong, but in need of improvement where there's less of a learning curve in the yeah. game. It's a yeah. barrier to entry. I mean, right. you're, yeah. you're, you talk free-to-play, that's, you know, removing, we say the barrier to entry, but it really, I guess, it's just a barrier to entry. If you can't grasp the mechanics, you can't get into the game, you're not going to stay. You're yeah. going to go somewhere else. I think about changing the story of the tutorial. We could write great stories all over and change it to something completely different, and we can add more wow and stuff like that. That's not what the problem is. We want to, we're taking metrics, specific metrics, measuring where people turn the computer off, right? Log out. They get to the, eject the Borg out the whole breach. Alt F4. They, 
if they can't get through that, then maybe there's something wrong with that step in the mission. If they can't get past the rush at the engineering, maybe there's something wrong there. Maybe there's something too hard or too confusing there. So look, finding specific points where they're where people are just saying, I quit. Or maybe it's Earth Space Dock. I think it's Earth Space Dock. I think Earth Space Dock's too confusing. I think their space combat's challenging in general for new players to come in and not understanding it because it's not standard MMO fare. And then I think the second barrier is Earth Space Dock, I think, is too overwhelming. So we'll wait to see what the metrics say and see what we can do to improve that. And that'll be good for everybody because that'll just mean more people stick and more people, then that means more revenue for Star Trek and means more reinvestment back into Star Trek. What recent additions, maybe in the last few seasons, are you personally most pleased with? And this came from Starfish1701. I asked pretty simple. I mean, it's the fleet system and the reputation system. And if I had to pick one, I'll say the reputation system, but they're actually very similar. So I kind of roll them together and they have very similar mechanics, just one's personal. So if I'll pick one, I'll say the reputation system. And particularly because I think it adds an incredible amount of scalability and replayability and end game. And it's extremely scalable for us. Why I will pick reputation over fleet is because everybody can do reputation. Technically, not everybody will do fleet. Some people just won't join a fleet. And some people will be in a small fleet and they won't be able to get the same enjoyment as an average size fleet. But the reputation system everyone can participate in and allows us to very easily add new reputation systems. Like I said, I want to add a PvP reputation system. I want to add a Tholian Task Force reputation system. Uh, We've got both of those planned. We want to do a Deferra reputation system. We talked about doing maybe a Foundry reputation system. So we get the little power skill trees out of those reputation systems. So lots of ways to customize your character, lots of new rewards, lots of replayability. Very scalable for us to produce and add lots of gameplay and lots of options for the players. So as far as recent additions, I mean, those are the two recent additions, right? Those are the two big recent additions. I would have to say reputation system. All right. Well, I want to take us back to the very beginning of the interview. When I turned on the overhead light bulb, there are not four lights. There's just the one. Tell us what you know. Can, this is your chance to confess. Tell us what you know, Al. What can you tease for us? What can't Push that envelope. Tell us what you can tell us. Open it up. I like to push the envelope thing. I like to push the envelope thing. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, I can't tell you anything. I already, I mean, I, <laughs> come on. Uh, <laughs> as far as uh, story-driven content was about as willing as I would go to say anything about what's coming forward. I could tell you that we, uh, what can I say? No, I think I've told you everything that I could say. Everything is still so far out to when it's going to be coming. I know that there will be Andorian ships coming out soon. There will be... Do you have an idea of how many ships we can expect to see coming to game this year? A rough number. Well, let's see. A rough number. Do I count fleet ships? Because I'll be adding a lot of fleet ships periodically. You know, like a fleet, fleet Garumba and a fleet. Or did we do the Garumba already? I think we did the Garumba. No, no uh, talk to Garumba. Did we do a fleet Garumba? I thought we did yeah, a fleet. Talk- oh, well, we haven't talked about it. I don't know if you've done one. I don't remember if we released the fleet Garumba now. Sometimes we make them and then we just kind of put them aside and wait till the right time to release them. Like a fleet Galaxy Dreadnought and we'll do a fleet. We just did the fleet Excelsior and we'll probably do a fleet Vulcan ship, the Vulcan Dakir. We didn't release fleet ships related to sea store ships. We didn't release any fleet ships that had where the sea store didn't have a console that could be transferred to the fleet version. So, for instance, you get the 
there's a Galaxy C Store Galaxy comes with Saucer Separation Console, and you get the fleet version, and you can move the console over. And so then, so that was the idea, and then it would cost you four modules. But we couldn't do that, say, with the Excelsior at first, because if we released the fleet Excelsior, it doesn't have a console. So either the fleet version wouldn't have transport drive, which would stink. Or it would have transport drive, in which case it would just be better than the C store version, and there'd be no reason to buy the C store version. So we then what we were able to do then is finally get the technology we needed. So that way, if you, it's five fleet modules uh, for the fleet Excelsior, but if you own the uh, C store Excelsior, it's just one fleet module. So it's basically like paying paying five bucks for for an upgrade. So now that we have that, we can then release things like the Garumba, like the Dreadnought, like the Dakir, that are ships that we released in the past in the sea store that don't have consoles. We can use the same model going forward in the fleet store. So that's like maybe five ships right there. I can't remember them all right now. That will show up in the fleet store. And we talked maybe about maybe doing a fleet chimera and maybe an improved ambassador, plus one ambassador, whether it's fleet or sea store. We'll be coming out with the Andorian ship soon. I mentioned doing a Founders of the Federation, thought about even doing it as a pack. So you get a Andorian Broadsider, a, that would be a, the tank, the, the cruiser, a new Vulcan science ship, and a Tellarite, maybe a Tellarite Escort or something. So doing that, I also want to do a Zindi, want to do Zindi ships. I don't know if we'll see Zindi ships this year, oh. but getting an aquatic, an insectoid, and a reptilian ship, I don't think the other ones were all that interesting. But maybe we could do the primate and... The humanoid one, I can't remember, the fourth Cindy race. It's basically humanoid. Was it arboreal, primate, reptilian, and insectoid? Then the avian was extinct, so those four. So we could do those. There's some other stuff I can't talk about. Of the stuff I can't talk about, there are probably maybe another 20 or so. 20 ships you can't talk about. Wow. Yeah. So, but that's that's down to December, right? So, right, right. Well, all right, so you're not going to do any big mechanics changes between now and May, so, you know, right? <laughs> any big mechanics changes? It's not a mechanic. Did I? No. I'm so, trying to trick you again. It's not working, so never mind. I give up. You're too good. Lockboxes that we've got planned, right? And a lockbox usually means at least one lockbox ship and one low-buy ship and then usually a shuttle, unless it's cross-faction, in which case you need one for the Fed, one for the Klingon in the lockbox, and then one for the Fed and the Klingon in the low-buy store, and then one for the Fed and the Klingon in fighter or shuttle. So that's a lot of them there, right, or in future lockboxes. So that's a big chunk of those right there, that we won't be releasing that information until right before those come out. We usually like to keep those secret. Well, is there anything else? Anything you'd like to say to our audience or listeners? Yeah, I've been watching the Avengers cartoon. You guys should really watch that. That actually turned out pretty cool. The Avengers cartoon, really? <laughs> I got rid of cable and just watching everything on Apple TV now and watch my quality of television has just gone. You know, I don't watch junk anymore and I've gone through Netflix and everyone should do this. Everyone should just get rid of cable. This is I'm, I'm just saying it. Get rid of cable and just get an Apple TV and or Roku and uh, we got both and I just get a subscription to Hulu and Netflix and I cut my cable bill down like by a quarter because I don't have to pay that ridiculous $120 a month for cable watching nothing but fishing channel and whatever the hell crap that happens to me at the time but instead just pick exactly what I want and there's been some really great stuff and I watched I watch of Gods of Men if people haven't seen that that is amazing how many Star Trek actors they got into Star Trek of Gods and Men and did you guys watch that yet yeah yeah, yeah. you know that they're working on Star Trek Renegades a lot uh, Tim Russ is directing 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I talked to Walter Koenig at the convention about it, and he didn't have much to say about whether he's just waiting to see what happens. But I had no idea there were so many actors in The Gods and Men. I don't know if there's that many in Renegades. But I had a blast with that, so I've been watching a lot more quality TV. Have you watched Blood and Chrome yet? I watched the first four or five episodes online, then it was it. That's I, and Maybe they have released more since then, but it said the whole thing, the whole series was, was gonna, the whole thing was going to come out on DVD on this certain day. So I said, well, maybe I should just wait for the whole thing and watch it at one shot because it's like five-minute episodes or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was great. It was wonderful. It was like watching the old original Battlestar again and exactly what I wanted Caprica to be. So it was just it, it, that was that was great. So everyone should do that. You save a lot of money, see a lot better TV. You went, you know, it seems like oh, you got to buy season passes. But you know what? I made the, the math and all the shows I watch, and I bought season passes. If I couldn't find them on Hulu or Netflix, I just bought an iTunes season pass for something, and, and it's still like a quarter of my cable price. Anyway, I was going to do a shout out to Avengers for James because I've really been enjoying, <laughs> it. and it's been really really good. It's really true to the comics in a lot of ways. So. Just uh, got through the whole Asgard arc, and now we're starting the Skrull invasion arc. Sorry, not Star Trek related, very geek related. Everyone should watch that show. It's a good show. Awesome. No, I don't really have much else to talk about. I really just wanted to gush about Denise Crosby because I'm a total spaz about Denise Crosby right now. Did everyone see the infographic that we released? Yeah, that was that's the impressive. turtle pile was the best part. <laughs> that was a good one. I like the little hand sticking out. Yeah, I didn't know if anybody had any other questions about the Dominion ships. By the way, Dominion ships and the Ambassador, first ships I have not made in the game. The game's launched three years ago. This is by our assistants. Now that we've staffed up our team, I've got four systems designers instead of two. I don't have to be doing this work. I can focus more on being a lead designer like I should. And the systems team made those ships. So if they're broken, don't blame me. But they're not. <laughs> Hey, you're still the boss. We get to blame you still. Actually, I was going to ask you what the best way is to fly those ships. And so maybe now we're going to have to get your team on. Um, yeah, we can get somebody on to talk about anything specific about them. Tricky thing, right? If you own the Dreadnought Carrier and if you happen to have a Jem'Hadar attack ship, the bug ship, what people call, then you'll be able to purchase the attack ship pets to launch from that. So you can actually have a carrier to launch those attack pets and they will ramming speed to the target. So, but since it's Federation, they beam out and they say, you know, putting ship on autopilot and they beam back to your ship because Federation won't kamikaze. Right, right. Couldn't right. do that. that would... Couldn't have captains ordering their entire fleet to kamikaze. So we have a, we go a little smoke and mirrors where they actually beam out and they, they even say that they're beaming out. But those are really fun to be able to have those. There was a little bug with them at first in the AI, but I think Bordicus fixed that. A bug with the bugs. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Al, thank you so very much for joining us this evening. And as always, it's a pleasure talking with you. Oh, it's, the pleasure's all mine. I love coming out here talking. I wish I could spill more beans and talk about more stuff coming up. I promise when more information is out and I can talk more, I'll come out again and we'll talk more secrets and more things. But right now, it's just a little too early. Thank you for having me so we can talk about everything that we've uh, the anniversary and everything that's happened up until now. Our pleasure. It's always a pleasure having you. Anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening to part one of our interview with Cryptic's lead developer Al Rivera. Tune in next week for part two to hear Al answer questions from the STO community.
transfer complete. 